I just want to welcome you to this seminar and appreciate your interest. And hopefully, you'll find it to be something practical that you can apply to this. I actually, uh, just to give you a little overview, what I'm hoping we have an hour is what I was told. So I'm going to try to obviously stay within that time. And, and as part, I'd give you some time for question and answer and some interaction. But I also would like to leave a little time at the end for two um, other uh, participants that are doing similar things in a different type of setting. And that's uh, Manuel Alva, who's right up here, and Rick Beckemeyer. I hope you'll make it in. Rick is back there. He's a dentist, so I thought it'd be good. Advances. OK, good. That's kind of backward, isn't it? But anyway, um, all right. <laughs> I'm just saying, so anyway, welcome aboard. This is, this is going to be a presentation I think you'll find practical. So anyway, that's the overview. Uh, so I'm hoping to leave 15 minutes for these two other professionals who I think will get an overview of a specialty office. Uh, gastroenterology manual, and then of course Rick is doing work as a dentist. And in addition to that, I'm going to include some of my staff members here, and they're going to have some brief time, so it's going to be a little logistical challenge. I'm going to have to hand this micro microphone over to them. I'll introduce them for my staff as we get closer to that time. But basically, uh, we want to talk about the use of modern media in a physician dentist office, and of course, in my case, it'll be I'll be directing more specific to a primary care setting. Hopefully, our two participants at the end, you'll get an idea from the other setting. So. I'll uh, give you an overview of where we are. Bluegrass Clinic is in Stanford, Kentucky. It's 40 miles south of Lexington. We have two sites. Uh, that's our primary site is in Stanford. And that, that came right off our website, bluegrassclinic.com. You can look it up. And we have another site in Liberty, uh, Kentucky, which is about 25 miles away. That's a smaller site. Both of these are rural health clinics. They are both uh, what you call uh, qualify under Medicare and Medicaid to be cost-based reimbursement. So that's a little unique, too, that need to be aware of as we, as we go forward. Um, these, we also do the whole gamut of healthcare in terms of office-based as well as hospital. I practice out of two hospitals. Fort Logan Hospital in Stanford is a smaller facility. It's a critical access hospital, 25 beds. Probably take about six or eight people average in that hospital. But heavily outpatient-based. And Ephraim McDowell Regional Medical Center, where we tend to have more of our patients in Danville, Kentucky. That's 11 miles west of us. Has a lot more specialty, probably close to 200 beds, and has pretty much all day as a secondary care center. So it's a very busy practice going all the way from from the office to nursing home as well, which I didn't include here, but we also go to one nursing home, probably over 50 patients in a nursing home as well. So you can imagine, this gives you an overview. Uh, here are some of our providers. Of course, I'm in family medicine. We have two OBGYNs work at us uh, part-time, essentially one day a week equivalent, two half days each. And these are our, our providers. Uh, Ms. Hoeing is here with me. I'll introduce her later on. We have uh, Crystal Brown is a, is a GYN practitioner. And of course, we have several PAs and uh, also um, a mental health nurse practitioner. So that pretty much gives you an overview of our. Um, here's some of our staff. There's not, not all of them, but we thought we'd get a picture and give you an overview of our staffing. We probably have about 30, probably about a little over 30 employees, including our provider staff. So um, uh, that kind of gives you an overview of the type of practice between both sites. Uh, this is our health education team, I'd like to call it. And some of them are here. I'll introduce them as you get near, and you'll recognize who they are. Uh, one of them that's not here, I do want to tell you, is uh, this. Oh, I should use my, yeah. She is, uh, everybody here, these two, and of course Heather is here, who's not in the picture, but she's uh, part of our team. Uh, all Seventh-day Adventist church members, uh, but basically these two here, there's a physician assistant. Her husband's actually in a, in a, in a what you call it, a seminary nearby. So she's very, very strong Christian base to it. And this young lady is doing an amazing work there, is, uh, helping us with our smoking cessation program. She's an ex-smoker. Not a believer, but does an amazing work, so we're happy to have her involved, and she is in the picture for that reason. Uh, so to give you an idea, overview of our practice population, I just checked with this in my billing department today. That's our active number of patients for the past 12-month period. Uh, do has ever come once to the practice? So over 5,000, almost 5,500 patients, uh, active patients. 
Annual encounters about 28,000, uh, going on 29,000 per year. Here's an idea of the patient population. And I'd like to talk briefly on my journey from traditional practice to medical ministry, which is what I like to call it. It's really a journey because uh, AMEN started nine years. This is our ninth conference. And for me, where I am right now compared to where I was, it's kind of like a major sea change moving from thinking of the patient as, a, as you know, someone you take care of, give, give good care and bail for it and move on and, you know, to something much more profound than that, which is looking at every patient, you know, as a, as a child of God, as an opportunity to introduce them to the Savior. So that's really gives you an idea of my journey. You'll see more of it as we go on. So um, uh, one of the things that I did very early when we started our practice is 16 years in operation in that location. Uh, and basically, one of the things that are, a lot of my ministry engagement has come with my personal devotional experience. So about 12, probably a little after I started practice, I was, I was engaged in this devotional moment, and it made me think I should really put in writing what, what, what our mission and vision is. So I kind of have it up there. I'll just give you the, the key parts of it. Every patient recognizes a child of God and therefore of inestimable value in his sight and worthy of our highest service. And um, the other part is, you know, the mission. That's the vision. The mission is um, to have helping our patient to have life and have it more abundantly. And that comes from John chapter 10, verse 10. True an emphasis on prevention, so that's a key part of what we believe in. And uh, attention to emotional and spiritual needs, I want to highlight that because that's unique about what we do. And that should be unique about what every Seventh-day Adventist practice does, is, uh, is be aware of the spiritual needs of our patients and the people who come before us. And this may all seem like, uh, what you call, you know, like an exercise and what difference does it make. But I'll tell you, so often in my, every so often I have decisions to make in our practice that I basically find myself um, asking why should I do it, and I go back to this, and I ask myself, well, does it fit into our mission and vision? And it actually is, is important. I, I, rec I recommend you do it, even if you're employed, and even if you're a, a professional working with another entity, it, uh, it's still a good idea to develop your own personal mission statement. So I wanna show you that for sure. And here is some value statement which we look at, every patient being a child of God, once again I mentioned that, associates, most important resource, how we treat our employees, and. It's hard to do ministry when your people who work with you as a part of your staff can't see it, you know what I mean? And I just had an exit interview with my, one of my PAs who's departing me, because I, I like to do that. That's when people can be most candid. And it was very good to sit down with him and say, how, how was the practice, how was the environment? It was very positive. I felt good that at least he leaving, even though he's moving on to a different um, job opportunity, was leaving at a very positive view of practice. So I think that's so important, ministering to the emotional and spiritual needs of our patients. Being intentional about that, that's something that was there for a while, and I was still wrestling. I put it there long before I knew the methodologies how to get there. Uh, but it has certainly become front and center now as you will see more and more as we get into it. So, and then, of course, we put an invitation to a personal relationship with the Creator. I have tried my best to be as, you know, uh, to not be, appear too sectarian, but I believe this is very much in, very much in keeping with what Revelation 14 talks about, you know, worship the Creator. So we invite people to a personal relationship with the Creator and respectful though the freedom to choose. So basically every encounter that we, the spiritual encounters, we're very cognizant of the fact that patients need to want to be engaged in that spiritual encounter, or we should not. And we have patients, we actually, we have electronic records, and we have patients who have told us, we don't want you to pray with me. We put in a flag, we put a flag, so every time a patient comes in, it shows up, this patient does not want to have prayer. And we never do it again, because we're respectful. And that's, that's in keeping what Adventists always believe in, you know, religious freedom and the fact that people have to make a choice. Here's a few texts that come to me, of course, 3 John 2, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. 
just your soul prosper. I repeat this often with my patients because so often they wonder what's the connection spiritually and does God really care about their physical health? Uh, John 10, chapter 10, where I took the mission statement from is something that I've come to really appreciate more and more as I see individual patient encounters and how much truly every day in your patient, in your patient base, you will see patients and you know the enemy is coming to steal and kill and to destroy. You actually see it before. I just left the, when I left the office yesterday, I actually did rungs before I came. I have a lady that's over 350 pounds lying in a bed at 66 years of age, on a BiPAP, literally dying, has an NG tube in. She's existing barely. I have another one that's in renal failure that's been there for 60 days. We couldn't get her out because she's so heavy that we can't find a place willing to take her. And she's on dialysis and nobody wants to do the expense of having to transport her and so forth. So Medicaid is paying for her to lay in that bed for the past six, then now she developed a fever. Now she has an abscess. And I left all that behind. So that's where the, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we are called to help patients to have life and have it more abundantly. So uh, there's a few quotes that really resonate with us. Um, this is from Ministry of Healing, the Savior minister to both the soul and the body. That should be unique with Adventist uh, practice and those of us who have a Christian worldview and certainly Adventist worldview on it. And then deliverance from sin, the healing of disease were linked together. I can't help but uh, Mark chapter 11, I believe, where Jesus met the paralytic and he said, Son, your sins be forgiven thee. He actually went straight to the spiritual before he went to the physical. And it kind of reminds us that, you know, um, we have the same ministry committed to us. Um, here's another quote. Uh, the true physician and educator, uh, he recognized responsibility not only to the sick, one his direct care, but also to the community in which he lives. So standing as a guardian of both, and his, his responsibility is also to encourage right habits of living and to spread a knowledge of right principles. So the physician and the healthcare practitioner being an educational, you know, seeing his role as not just purely directed to that individual patient encounter one-to-one, -one, but actually looking at actually enlarging a knowledge of right principles is so important, and we try to do that through media as we get to. Um, Another quote, into the medical missionary work, missionary work should be brought a deep yearning for souls. And uh, that was an amazing quote to the physician, equally with the gospel ministers, committed the highest trust ever committed to man. Whether he realizes it or not, every physician is entrusted with the cure of souls. So for a long time, I was in traditional practice. Like I said, I would just, you know, I was first elder in my, well, not first, I was an elder in church in Lexington where I worked, where I would just go 40 miles away before we did our church plant. And I would, um, I was personal ministry leader, and I would come back 40 miles south and do my clinic five days a week, and then I would just go up and do church, and there were two separate entities, and it occurred to me, hey, you know, this is really not, when you look at the writing, it's very clear that all practices and our encounters with the patient should be seen in the context of a wider work. And since we have done that, we have not only uh, uh, advanced in terms of the ministry to these patients, but we're also planted a church in our local, which, which finally became, after, Eight years? Yeah, eight years of effort, we actually um, achieved um, uh, an actual church designation this past June from our conference. And so, and that was an integral part of the, of the office as well as the church. So here's a few texts I want to close, with, uh, close this portion with. Uh, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So. You know, that really is something that is the ministry of Christ reflected in Philippians 2, the fact that he left heaven above, the first mission experience. And so often in our experience, we are called to look beyond ourselves. In doing that, we're reflecting the master's 
effort. And I think when we look at every patient encounter, regardless where we are personally, in our own personal physical health or emotional health, we are called to serve and to do exactly what the master did. And this one really is one that I keep in mind often as I do health programs and so forth. In Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, John 5, 2, and 3, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches, and these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And I think so often as I look across at the people that we minister to, like the people I talked about in the hospital beds right now, and I couldn't help but think how many of them are waiting for this, the moving of the water, because in their minds, the moving of water today could be the next, next bariatric surgery, it could be the next, the next thing that's being promoted, the next fad that's being promoted for good health, the next juice or whatever. I mean, there's a whole host of things out there that could be categorized on the moving of the water. And we are called, the master is passing by, and we are actually called to be in his, his stead. We are his representative. We're called to extend the invitation. And you know that wonderful, I think King James put it best, that wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get well, the NIV puts it. But King James, I like best. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get back together the way you were originally? That's what we're called to do. So I hope you'll keep that in mind. That's a text that resonates every time I am, find myself ministering, whether it be in a group setting with the patients or, or individually. So here's a few things that we do at the, at the, um, at the Bluegrass Clinic in terms of, of uh, media exposure. Obviously, we have a traditional literature rack, just like most offices do. We have lots of um, literature that uh, Jason here, I'll tell you a little bit, he's in charge of keeping that stocked up and making sure. And it gets emptied pretty quickly. So anyway, it has a lot of amazing facts, material, other things that people so, uh, so anyway, and Life and Health Network is available on Roku. I'm currently chairing that board of Life and Health Network. I encourage you to consider it as a real resource. I should put the, the um, address up there, but Life and Health uh, Network, lifeandhealth.org. You can look it up. And there's a Roku, which you can buy at Walmart, that you can, and if you have broadband in your office or in your home even, you can get Life and Health Network live streaming as well as different programming that we have prepared. And then there's other material I'd like to talk about, which I will get to soon, which is what the the cost of our program is all about. So top three drivers of health outcomes and health expenditures in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. This is according to the Commissioner of Health. I happen to be on the, on the board of our medical association, and the Commissioner of Health came out to speak once, and I asked him, I said, you know, what are the, what are the main uh, challenges? And he said, if we could remove these three, smoking, obesity, and inactivity, from the state, he said, we, we, would, we would get rid of 80% of, of our chronic disease problem. This is coming from a secular person that is just, so these are the things that we seek to address in our practice because we are, we are in, we're in that state and we are, those are the people that we serve. So these are three drivers out there and um, they're the top drivers of health expenditures. Beyond that, one of them I should mention I put in there is, is psychotropic drugs. I have, uh, at some point in the past, not currently, I was on the Pharmacy and Therapeutics Committee for the Medicaid program and I learned something amazing, but they were spending $80 million a year on prescription drug in the Medicaid program, and a large portion of that was psychotropics, Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, we're really, so there's a huge problem, and that's one of the things we seek to address as well. So some of the things that I'm gonna talk about addresses those issues. Uh, eight Weeks to Wellness is one of, the, uh, one of the programs that we use in our office using um, uh, PowerPoint that comes from, uh, from, from uh, WellSource, we'll tell you more about that. There's, uh, the second one is Depression Recovery Program, well known to many of you, uh, through uh, Nedley. And then breathe free to plan to stop smoking. That's the third one we do in our office. These are lifestyle intervention initiatives that we have taken up in our office and uh, seek to integrate them into the ambulatory setting. 
So this is a few things we do as a part of it. Um, we have an education department, I like to call it. Uh, basically, we, um, we, we have developed a few administrative documents. Uh, we have gone through a deliberate process of getting these ready and informed consent so patients understand why, why, what we are doing, why we're doing it, how it's tied to their individual diagnoses, uh, we have a health education policy we've developed, and, uh, and then we also have a controlled substance policy for those people who are on controlled medications. So basically, all those documents are available to you. And by the way, I do want to interject by saying that if you, this entire presentation is available to you uh, uh, by request, and we have a sheet here that just, just sign your name, just put your name and your, we'll pass it around. Put your name and put your email address, and we'll email it direct, directly to you. And in addition, we'll send you these policies as well, so you can uh, use them as a good prototype although they're proprietary to us in terms of they, they have our um, identification, but you can just change it around. So some, those are some of the things we have developed. Uh, here is, let me talk for us, Eight Weeks to Wellness. Uh, it's available from uh, Lifelong Health. is a company used to be called WellSource, I think, or they are a subsidiary. Uh, but anyway, they're connected together. They're based out in Oregon. Uh, Dr. Don Hall is the doctor of education, and he actually was in the same class as Dr. Hans Deal, who was, you know, prepared CHIP. And he developed this program, and I got wind of it at the CHIP Summit in 2011. And it occurred to me that this could be integrated into the ambulatory setting if you find a way to make it work. So that's what you, so there is the information you can get from, about that. Uh, here's what we do. We do a, a promotional flyer. So all across our office, you will find this, a promotional flyer that basically talks about a program. Uh, you can learn these things, develop a healthy lifestyle, physically active. And one of the challenges you face, obviously, people look at a picture right away and think, oh, no, they're going to put me to exercise, God forbid. You know, kind of. <laughs> and, so you have to find a way as a, as a health professional. It's important in all of this, this is only as effective as the health professionals are engaged in promoting it. Because somebody has, has to explain this to the individual patient, why you're doing it, how it's connected to the individual health outcome, and what the outcomes you've had, what the results you've had at other patients. That's a key part of it. So that's our promotional flyer that you'll find across our office. Um, here is the information cards that we have. So this is, this is all available in the packet, right, Julia? Yeah, it's available. You can get it. When you get the program, when you buy it from, from the Lifelong Health, you'll get all this available, and you can uh, print it. And actually, uh, so this is, this is the front, and this is the back of it. So we just put it up there. But it basically talks, what is going to be covered? Do I have to participate? How do I register? That kind of stuff. And so basically, when, you, when a patient comes in to see me, or Ms. Hoeing, my physician assistant, uh, or any one of our providers uh, who may promote it, just say, you, you're a candidate for this lifestyle program. It's an eight-week program. It's once a week for eight weeks. It's right here in our office. It's in our conference room. And it's a group visit situ uh, situation. So you come in just like any other, uh, any other visit, and you get your vital signs taken. And you will, you will be, have a, an hour, 45 minutes, with a health educator. And then, so you kind of go through that uh, overview with them, and then, of course, you hand that to them. And if they have questions, they can call the health educators and get additional information. That way, you can, uh, can promote the program. This is how the health professional are involved in Eight Weeks to Wellness. Julia Dickman uh, is here. She's a, a master's in public health from Loma Linda University. We retained her uh, earlier this year, full-time on our staff. And she has a deep interest in health education, and she'll be presenting a portion of it this morning, this afternoon. Uh, Jason K, how do we go? <laughs> Kenichi, yeah, he's, I still haven't gotten it right, but Jason is a part of our team as well, and he's actually a Bible worker by training, and he is, uh, comes to us through a contract we have uh, with the Oak and the Acorn, who places Bible workers from, they're based out in California. So Jason is full-time with us, and he actually does, the way we have it worked out with the church, he does 20 hours with us in the clinic as a health educator, and 20 hours we allow him to volunteer for the church as a Bible worker. 
but he's on our, he's on our you want to call it our payroll, contractual costs. Uh, then we have licensed health professional, of course, myself and Ms. Hoeing, who's uh, our other Seventh-day Adventist health professional with me, and she's here as well today, and she'll present briefly. So those are the people involved. So you need, these are the components you need. You need somebody who can do the health education part, which is the didactic portion, I call it, people sitting in a didactic fashion, actually presenting a PowerPoint to them and doing some food sampling. And then, of course, then after that, the licensed health professionals, this is the billable part they encounter. This part is not billable. This part is billable. So you have to keep that in mind for the sake of um, you know, administrative and, uh, uh, and so forth. So anyway, so um, these are the target groups uh, that we have targeted, chronic pain patients, which is required as part of the treatment plan for those on chronic narcotics. We do have uh, a few patients uh, that actually are on chronic narcotics in our practice, and they, we, we make this a requirement for them. This is what they're expected to do as part of the treatment plan. We want to make it clear to them, and it's not purely a bait and switch or a catch-all. We basically, we don't want to be seen as a clinic where people just come through and get narcotics. We want to be a clinic where they get comprehensive care. So we tell them up front, if you want to get care where you just want to get your pill and go home, this is not your clinic. This clinic is involved in helping you to get well. So if you're serious about getting well, this is where you come. But if you don't, you can remain our patient, but we'll just refer you out to a pain clinic to where you can get your pain medication because we're not going to treat you unless you're willing to be engaged in the lifestyle issues that affect your pain. And we think there's good scientific validity. As a matter of fact, I met two pain management physicians, board certified anesthesiology and pain management. And when I brought them through my office, they both were really impressed. They said, man, every place should be doing this without have chronic pain issues because it's such an integral part of treatment. Of course, diabetics. Uh, big part, hypertension, people who have hypertension, obesity, you can, these are some of the target groups. And any other patient with a diagnosis requiring lifestyle intervention. And that's especially important since, as you know, the provider portion of it is a billable encounter in a group visit setting. You have to meet medic medical necessity. So if somebody comes and says, oh, I'd love to learn this, if they don't have a medical necessity, they can't be a part of this part. But they could come in probably and listen to the didactic portion. But the other portion is, is a portion that is an encounter with the, with the licensed health professional that is able to bill for that visit. And so that part, that you have to have a diagnosis and something that you can justify, because in each case, you're going to have ICD-9 that has a correspondent with a CPT. And everything that applies to, a, to an ambulatory one-to-one -one visit applies here. Um, so here is an overview. This is where you're at. I'll let Jason talk a little bit of what he does. You can come on over. So Jason, just as uh, I introduced him already briefly, um, you can grab this here. Well, good afternoon, everybody. And my last name is pronounced Konechny. That's, that's how you pronounce that. I will get ready end of this. And uh, yes, so I'm one of the health educators here at uh, Bluegrass Clinic, and we have we have our overview time here, our check-in time. Patients usually come in around 10 o'clock, and that's when you get your vital signs taken. And uh, we, as they come in, we kind of engage with them and kind of review what was going over the last week, how's their process going. A little higher, thank you. You're welcome, actually. Oh, I'm saying thank you on that one. So we get them, in, we get them involved and get them engaged and see how their, their week has been going, what's working for them, what's not. And also, I try to get a little, you know, share some things of what's working in my life and kind of get a little personal with them, not so much personal, but showing that it's, you're engaging them so it's not just a patient coming in, teach them, and get them out. A little more personal. So we have our lecture time going from about 10.30 to 11.15, 11.30-ish. And uh, that's the time we have during, going through our PowerPoint. And we have our food sample at that point in time also. We have uh, recipes that we come up with, either through a cookbook or we have some that we develop. And we share 
each of the recipes with them each week. Uh, we also are developing, a, we're not developing, but we have this cookbook called uh, Recipes to Wellness is what we kind of put it together. And we put that together with all the ones, we share it with them there. And then at around 11.30, we have the provider come in and do, their, do the actual billable part. You know, that's the part where you go through. Where, what we've been using, you, doing normally now, actually, is bringing around a circle and not just like a lecture format like this, but getting into a circle, make it a little more interactive, kind of question answered, and make it, make it a little more comfortable for people to have a question time. And then, as you can see here, we end around 12 o'clock, so it's around about an hour and a half session time uh, from coming into the clinic, about two hours, but when you're sitting in the classroom kind of waiting there, so about an hour and a half session time. That kind of brings it up. So yeah, so Jason, one of the things that we are pioneering here, right, which is, uh, which is kind of gives an idea where we're heading with this. Jason also goes out and he does home visits. So he gets a chance to meet these patients and then he gets a chance to actually visit them at home, those who have an interest. As a matter of fact, he puts up on the board, anyone interested in exercising your spiritual legs, contact me. And so basically people have an interest in Bible studies, he gets to go and visit them at home and give them Bible studies. So the real thing, and this is a, this is a whole challenge of how this is, uh, this is how we, um, we envision it work. And it really is making a huge difference, I think, already. So that's an overview of that. Now, this is the, um, this is the group session. So the provider involvement is approximately 30 minutes. So basically, that's where myself, uh, Heather Hoeing and myself come in, uh, depending on what we are, which one is doing it. And so this is important for you, especially as the health professional here, to understand this is what you will do, right? This is what we do as a part of it. We have a we try to engage, a, the studies are more and more showing that, that is, we used to do a didactic thing where they all just sit and we just kind of talk to them. We find that it's a lot better if you can get them in a circle because they will share things that you will not, you know, that will help each other that you can't really relate to. Okay, so take this lady for example. She actually just graduated and she was in the middle class. She said, oh, you know, uh, she just went on. I am so glad I came here this class. She said, uh, I could never get my blood pressure under control. It was always out of control. He said, you know, my big problem was salt. He said, even when I was in a hospital bed, I used to hide the salt under my bed. And when the doctor came in and they put me on it, I would just take the salt and pour it. I said, I'm sure they increase your medication every day because your pressure was not well controlled. <laughs> and so she shared that she has now overcome that problem. And now she is better off. And, and that, that part is probably sometimes more important than what we actually say because they're sharing each other. So, and uh, you know, of course, they, they, they are able to answer the excuses of the other people. That's what really works. When, when one says, oh, I don't have time. Oh, yeah, you do have time, you know, because I had the same problem. And I'm, it really, <laughs> so, so it's a lot easier for them to do than you. You just sit back and you just observe them, you know what I mean? And you stimulate more conversation and you, you know, so it's really cool. So anyway, and then what happens is that we, um, we do perform a physical exam. We're, I don't believe I have done enough research into it and I had my billing department go to a seminar. And I think, frankly, you may not, we, this may be a little extra, but we feel just to, just to make sure that our coding guidelines are well within place, we still have everybody come through at the end and we listen to their heart and lungs and, do a, and have a brief encounter at the end. So essentially that encounter looks very much like any individual visit. But we do have at the bottom that there was a 30 minute educational session, lifestyle intervention pro provided. And then patients get a prescription just like any other. So if they, if they have their prescription for any particular medication, it's received at that time as well. So it's very connected, and that way they see it as an integral part of their treatment. Um, look at a few. Look at some of the results we have. Uh, we have a, uh, so far 212 graduates. This is from earlier this year, since Julia Dickman took over the position. We've had uh, 380 participants total. Some of them are still going through, 
And the total number of encounters combined for all our programs uh, combined is 2,284. So that's a large number of people coming through being exposed to our lifestyle program. Um, here are some patient comments. Is this your segment? Okay. Yep. So I'll let, I'll let Ms. Dickman, uh, Julia, do this portion of it since she, she has been really collecting the results for this. Thank you. So some patient comments. We do a survey. Uh, we give them a survey upon their graduation and they fill it out. And I've really enjoyed reading those surveys because they are great to hear. Because at first, as Dr. James mentioned, they'll come in as a required part of their treatment plan. And I have heard some not so pleasant things. <laughs> like, why am I here? This is dumb. And so I have to deal with that in the beginning. And so in the, by the end, though, those most vocal ones who complain are the most thankful. And it's really rewarding. So several of these comments, I'll just read a few. Um, enjoyed learning how to eat better, which really helped me manage my health problems. Everything was covered. It made a huge difference in my attitude and well-being. This is a helpful and life-changing class. I enjoyed meeting new people and having the group support and social interaction. So that is a big part of it. They really, some of them just say, oh, I just love to keep coming to these classes because it gets me out of the house. <laughs> All right, so these are some results. Uh, we compiled the top 10% of our total, which right now is 212 graduates. So we took the top 23 people who had improvements in their weight, and we saw an average weight loss of about 10 and a half pounds amongst them. Um, it went from, I know the numbers are really tiny, so the actual numbers were um, an average starting weight of 230 and an ending average weight of 219. Now we did have some people there who were 400, 300 pounds. So, and then some people who were of course not that big, but you can see the average weight loss was about 10 and a half pounds. And blood pressure, um, mostly just stayed the same among these that we listed here. Uh, there was a slight difference from the systolic, which went from starting at 133 to ending at 131, and then the ending diastolic, which was actually went up just a little bit, 75.7 to 76.9. So, you know, measuring blood pressure in a clinical setting, of course, we know isn't maybe the best way to do it because of the white coat syndrome and all that where people you know get a little nervous when they're in the doctor's office so we're not sure if that had anything to do with it at all but it's interesting to look at the numbers so we're fortunate to have Julia like I said she brings expertise from her master's program and we're looking forward to seeing her uh, contributing by having um, you know looking gathering this data more and more and actually actually um, back and forth. But anyway, so um, so that kind of gives you an overview of our results. And of course, this is very preliminary. One of the things you need to realize, this is only after a three, uh, what, about three-month period. These folks are just, they just finished the program, so they're going to continue afterwards. So here's a, here are some here's some case studies. Uh, Betty, this uh, uh, first name is only a six-four-year-old female that I had, uh, uh, poorly controlled diabetes mellitus, hypertension, fibromyalgia, degenerative disease, you can name uh, hemoglobin, and she was 10.1. 
And now she is, uh, her weight is down to 160 pounds. She has actually, for the first time, got under the seven mark on her hemoglobin A1C. And for the first time, I was able to t curtail her lower tab use to PRN only. And for the first time, I was able to dismiss her for three months. So any, I would say to any of the payers that think that this is going to be a loser and you look at it again, this lady is going to have less visits eventually with us. So I keep telling my staff, we're working ourselves out of business here. But there's enough people out there, believe me. So, <laughs> so we don't worry about it. But anyway, she's an excellent example. Here is Nancy, 57-year-old female with those conditions, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, degenerative disc disease. She lost 50 pounds, felt better. And the biggest part with Nancy is that she experienced amazing um, uh, improvement in mental health. I, I, I walked into the room and Nancy was there and there was another lady, younger lady, and I said, oh, you know, I started talking to her and I said, oh, how are you doing? And she started, and then, then I realized it wasn't, she wasn't there to be seen. She brought her daughter to see me because she had experienced so much improvement. She wanted her daughter to come as well. And she was really, uh, she had been in the behavioral medicine unit. She's a glow, literally. And she's an example of one that a thief came to steal and to kill and to destroy, but it's actually, you know, being blessed. So here is our biggest loser. And this guy's amazing. He's still, he's probably our most motivated. Richard, 42-year-old male, weight of 550 pounds. He's really in the class three obese category. Diagnosed with diabetes, hypertension. Now he's down to 390s off his blood pressure medication, tapering down his uh, control medication. And he also, admittedly, part of this is not just our program. He also went through our CHIP program, a complete health improvement program. So he has gone through quite a bit of our overall Adventist health programs and has experienced the benefits of it. He's been featured in our DVD that we did. So. Um, He's our biggest loser indeed, 160 pounds. That's quite impressive. Uh, what is so, we bring him to each of our classes to actually mentor other people. He's like our mentor. So. <laughs> All right, so here is, uh, here is the other program we're doing. We're going to have to go really quick on these, I know, because of the interest of time. But depression recovery program, you know that, where that is from. Uh, here is the, um, the overview of the program, the, the, the um, what do you call the posters we put around the office and explaining everything to them. So promotional flyer is important so that this becomes a part of your office what do you call imprimata, you know what I mean? And then here is the, the, um, the information for patients to take. And of course, uh, here are the people involved that are already mentioned earlier, so. And here are the target groups. Uh, major depressive disorder, of course, G generalized anxiety disorder. And this one we have made a, a required part of our treatment plan for patients on control anxiolytics. So clonopin, clonazepam, uh, you know, um, uh, diazepam, any of those medications they are required to do it as a part of the treatment plan and the same way with a narcotic prescription. So bipolar disorder, any mental health condition may benefit from CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, and there's quite a few of them. So um, here's an overview of the program. Uh, basically, what are you going to talk about? Okay, let me go through it, Jim. So this is pretty similar. Um, in this case, it requires two facilitators, and you have to have a training. You have to go through a training of which um, Julia, we sent her out to Dallas, Texas to go through that training, so she's actually been trained. And Jason, subsequent to that, did the training online. So they're both, you have to be trained and kind of uh, prepare for this professionally. And this requires two facilitators for each group as opposed to the other one, which does not. And uh, of course, the time frame follows a similar. Um, uh, Heather, I'd like her to talk a little about this. Heather Hoing is our physician assistant in the office, and she, she has been doing this portion of it, so. Yeah, I have been privileged to be involved in the depression recovery program, and it has been exciting. It's um, something that's 
been a little bit more of a challenge for us in working through doing this in a clinical setting, but um, we've seen great success with it. As he said, many of the patients who come in for this program, they're dealing with um, diagnoses of depression, anxiety, and when they come in, many of them are, as Julia mentioned, challenging patients and um, feeling a little closed-minded. You know, they sit down, they have their heads down. When you're asking questions, trying to get interaction, the reaction that you're getting is no reaction, right? Um, and so it's been fun to watch the fact that they will evolve and by the end are smiling and interacting. And so it's exciting to see those, uh, you know, evidences of progression. When I come in, typically, um, I will just emphasize the key points of the program because they've already seen a DVD. They've already gone through significant discussions with Julia and Jason. And so I'll re-emphasize the importance of compliance, not just with what they've learned at that program, but compliance with the complete program. Because many people, they say, oh, well, you know, drinking more water, or eating more tryptophan, that sounds like an easy thing. Maybe I'll just do that. But it's important that they comply with all of that. And so we try to, um, you know, encourage that and also discuss if there's any medications or anything that need to be, um, yeah, maybe they need to be careful because of some interactions or certain foods that could cause problems. Um, you know, tryptophan can cause some problems with our MAOI and you know, there have been, I think, since I've been doing the program, there was one patient <laughs> who was on one of those, and so we discussed some of the issues there. But um, And allowing them a chance to ask questions and then also doing, as Dr. James mentioned, the same with the eight weeks to wellness, doing that brief physical exam prior to their exit. But it's fun to see uh, the results from this program. I'll let Julia talk a little bit about the results since she compiled them. So... All right, so our results from um, our graduates so far, and let me just click so you can see. So far we've had 47 participants, um, and now we have 14 graduates of the depression recovery program. Um, it seems to process a little bit slower than the eight weeks to wellness. Um, for some reason, I'm not sure. It's, it's newer, probably that's why uh, we started it more recently, and so it's, it's a learning process, as Heather mentioned, but um, also we've had 11 of those graduates complete the before and after evaluation, and that evaluation is very extensive. Dr. Nedley's um, Health Solutions puts it out with the program, and it's 75 questions, so we'll just go through some of those results. Here you can see the before and after evaluation results of the depression and anxiety. Depression is the first one here on the left went from a score of average of 12.82 to uh, 9.91. So the maximum score was 27. And then anxiety, you go down from 7.91 to 6.64, so there was a slight reduction there. And many of the patients come in saying, oh, I don't have depression, why am I in this class? And it's like, well, are you on anxiety medication? Yeah. Well, it can probably help you too. It's an overall mental health education program, so you, you do stand to benefit from it. So it does do some good. Then the emotional quotient, the EQ, as is termed in the program, improved. So that is something you can improve. It went from 94.36 to 103.82. 
and the maximum for that score is usually about uh, 150, I believe. All right. And the hit categories, if you are familiar with the program, you'll understand the hit categories. There's 10 of them, and they evaluate all of them in, the, in this test. And you can see that we had an improvement in lifestyle specifically, um, we also in nutrition, and um, some stayed the same. And also, yes, the last one on there, frontal lobe. Okay, so we had significant improvements in the in those specific categories. So, thank you. So basically, um, just winding down that part, I think that pretty much covers our depression. In each of these cases, I should mention there is some there's some cost involved that you should be aware of. For example, depression recovery requires a workbook. It's about thirty-five dollars that we actually give to each patient as part of our cost. And uh, we loan them the rest of the material. The total cost would be up to 135 if you had to pay each time. So we loan them the rest, and we tend to be billed if they don't return it. So it's actually recycled. And the eight weeks to wellness is just a $5 cost for the booklet that we give to them. Uh, quickly, I want to go through Breed Free, uh, the plan to stop smoking. We got this through the Health Ministries Department. It's available to you. And I think it's a very nominal cost. Uh, so it's, it's a great one to use. A nine, nine DVD series. Uh, basically, um, here is the plan that we promote around the office. A promotional flyer, and we target, of course, uh, people who want to s need to quit smoking. And then this is the the informational card we give to each patient that we're encouraging to quit. Um, here is the uh, the involvement. All of our people right now who are involved are not of any of our um, church members. They're basically doing an amazing work. This is Renee Spencer, actually X-ray tech, but has an interest in this. And she's an ex-smoker. Her mother died of COPD, and so she brings real uh, personal value to it and has really enhanced the program. And of course, uh, Melissa Day is our physician assistant that does the provider portion. Target groups, all smokers, but especially those with chronic pain, COPD asthma, because they have a disease condition resulting from smoking. So we target those and any patient of family history of tobacco-related diagnosis who's smoking as well. And uh, here is an overview of the program. You have the DVD. This one is shorter. It's about 20 minutes or so, but she has brought in some additional program material from the um, from the American Lung Association, for example. And then a provider visit is probably about 30 minutes, an interactive visit that helps people in a support group fashion. And um, provider involvement, of course, is to basically talk to them about, you know, about uh, the, the, how that connects to the individual diagnosis. Because they're billed basically for the COPD, whatever condition that it is that brought them into the program. And here is some of the um, how many things that have been reported. Uh, these are our uh, participants up to 22. We had four graduates. Three of them quit. So hey, 75%. That's great. <laughs> OK, good. <laughs> All right, but anyway, it's a work in progress. Um, and taste and smell, these are some of the things that they have mentioned. Patient taste and smell have improved, breathing easier, have more energy. And the program director was very helpful, and great source of support and motivation. Um, some of the administrative challenges, I'd like to briefly mention those. Uh, patient motivation is a big issue. Somebody was talking to me yesterday at a mealtime. How do you motivate people into wellness? Well, one of the ways we do is to obviously connect it with a diagnosis that is causing them the problem. So I, you have to really, this requires real physician involvement, provider engagement to actually connect to them. Integrating health education to clinical workflow, how do you do that? One of the ways we do it, our health education department does all the scheduling. We don't let our front desk do that because there's some unique issues involved. So they do all the scheduling. Also, they are part of the mentoring program. So they call. When they call a patient to schedule them for an appointment, patients have questions. They can answer it. So we find that works well for us. And it builds a relationship with the, with the, uh, with the adult health education staff. And the other challenge, of course, with anything is integrating the spiritual dimension. 
is how do you, uh, you know, help people to understand that spiritual dimension is so necessary for them to be able to, to uh, experience ultimate health. You go, I know we start a little late. So let, let me lose the last 10, 15 minutes for the two gentlemen. Uh, if you guys can come on up, uh, Manuel and uh, Rick, you can come on up briefly. I'd just like to, I'd like to get a feel from you guys as to what you're doing. I think um, Manuel, of course, I'll let him go first. Hey, Rick, come on over first, okay. Rick Beckemeyer is out in uh, Michigan. And uh, which, which part of Michigan, Rick? Okay, now it's Michigan, and he basically is doing an amazing workout. If you can take uh, like five minutes or so, just telling us a little what you're doing out there, how we can relate to that. Some of the things that we're doing are health cooking classes. We had a tasty and healthy uh, class where we developed different um, recipes, and we had a um, chef that we hired to come in and uh, cook up the the food, and we advertised it through the uh, through the. Uh, the newspaper, the first time that we had it, um, our waiting room uh, was holding about, we figured about 65 people, and 75 people showed up. And uh, there was a, a lot of follow-up. Uh, the next year, uh, we had it again. We needed a little bit larger area, so we set up a, um, a tent outside, and we had a vegetarian uh, barbecue. And uh, so we advertised that then uh, in the paper, and we had probably over 150 people show up for that, um, including from the hospital. We had the, the head of uh, ICU and also a cardiac specialist uh, showed up. And um, there was a bike group uh, that happened to be riding by, and they all showed up for it as well. <laughs> and uh, what we do is uh, we develop the, uh, the recipes, uh, and we actually go through how uh, and teach them how to go ahead and uh, make the food right there. And then we also have recipe cards that we give them as well. So that's the first thing that we're doing. The second thing that uh, we're doing, uh, we went over to the YMCA for the Healthy Kids uh, uh, program that they had over there. And uh, we set up a booth along with probably another 50 vendors. And uh, we were promoting uh, getting rid of... Uh, soda pop and uh, trying to get uh, people off of uh, drinking uh, the soda. And uh, how effective uh, were we? We handed out contracts, 30 contracts. And uh, what the contract said is that uh, they would go ahead and go 90 days pop free, juice free, water only. Okay. And how successful were we? We had five people that came back over to our office. And what the incentive was is that we would give them a free electric toothbrush or a free water pick in order to be able to help clean their teeth. Then uh, we didn't think that we were reaching enough people. Uh, so uh, because there were still a lot of people that were coming into the office, uh, one situation, uh, one guy came in with 28 teeth, 22 of which uh, were decayed. And so we knew that he had quite a high uh, caries risk involvement. And we told him that we, uh, again, would give him uh, a free water pick or free electric toothbrush or dentures, his choice. <laughs> uh, and so uh, he made the decision to go ahead and keep his teeth uh, and uh, go for 90 days. We saw him about two weeks later and he was totally pop-free, okay? We had a father and son. 
Uh, and right now on that program where we're offering incentives, we have six people that are uh, well into their sixth week of pop-free, uh, juice-free, and we're telling the people if they're wanting to have juice, eat the fruit. Um, the final person uh, that uh, we're working with, we're working with veterans, and uh, the veterans, um, I, I told uh, this, uh, the veterans that I would give them free total dental care, free total dental care, and that would include uh, partial dentures for uh, missing teeth, restorations of teeth, extractions of teeth, if they would completely eliminate pop soda juice from their diet. And we have one individual that is very involved with that. He's in his second month. He has one more month to go. He will require three root canals, several extractions, and an upper and lower partial denture. I'm not in it to make money. I'm in it to have uh, save people and make them healthy so that they can be drawn into a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Rick. You can, you can stick around. We might have some questions for you then. Just stay with us here at the side. Um, Manuel is up in Chicago area, and he's a gastroenterologist. A colleague of mine has been at Amen from the very beginning. Manuel, you can say his name. Yes, uh, we have the same uh, enemies, uh, soda pops, and the same uh, foods that will produce fatty livers, which is a, is a common uh, denominator for many of our Hispanic patients. I would say a good 70% are either obese or overweight, and they all have fatty livers, and they have pre-diabetic conditions. Of course, we cannot build like a primary care uh, practice for people with depression and smoking, but we can identify those who have fatty livers, which are a great majority, and sometimes they just came for a colonoscopy. But on taking the, the history, we found out they are pre-diabetics, they're hypertensives, and they have dyslipidemias of different kinds. So those we can target, and. Uh, our resource is uh, health education. I have uh, my son here. He's going to come and explain a little bit of what he does. He uh, is a graduate from the, uh, you probably heard of Colin Campbell, right, the China study. There's an online uh, course that he took, his uh, certification on plant-based nutrition. And it's the greatest thing. So I'm his health educator. And um, he has actually educated me, too, because we have uh, pre-hypertension and which I inherited from him, by the way. <laughs> and so um, I was able, through the grace of God, to go through a personal experience of improving my, my own health. Um, I went from a cholesterol of 252 serum cholesterol to 104 wow. in nine days. Wow. In nine days. Nine yeah. It took me nine months to bring uh, what was a 28 BMI to 22.5, uh, nine months. And that was um, strictly through plant-based nutrition. So plant-based nutrition um, is what I use as the most powerful tool in the health education. We promote overall health, and it's actually a curriculum, uh, loosely, of 10 classes. And the way it works is um, at our first class, we'll have anywhere between 8 and 20 patients. Uh, we average about 12 patients in the first class. The first class is actually strictly an introduction to health improvement. Uh, I don't give them very much to do at the first class. It's just an eye-opening experience for them to see why it is that they're there, why it is that they need um, a change. And the first class, I. I make sure to tell them that they're not here to 
fill their minds with information. I tell them that information doesn't save them because it didn't help me. I grew up with a head full of information and my health still took uh, a hit. So, and inspiration isn't enough either. Uh, it really requires the Holy Spirit and it really requires putting into practice, putting into action, putting into motion the things that you are learning. So my work as a health educator is really work as uh, assistance or guidance in behavior modification. That's what it is. And I can't change anybody else's behavior. Only God can. And so the challenge is um, to help someone improve their health so that they can start to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit themselves. And they can start to work with the Holy Spirit one-on-one -on -one when they're not in the clinic. And it's, um, it's relatively successful, uh, depending on how you see it. Um, we look at, after the 10 classes are finished, most of them um, will have the option to continue. They'll actually start back at class number two and go through the same classes all over again so it's like, you know, level two, I guess you could say. And the idea there is to have them uh, help and mentor the new people who are just starting, um, sharing their experience with them and helping to encourage and motivate and inspire them. So uh, what I see with health promotion, health education, this is the work that every Everyone in internal medicine should be doing, every family doctor, every family practitioner, anyone who's doing internal medicine in a clinic is kind of that first line of defense against chronic disease. Um, they're the gatekeeper between community health and all the specialists that they're going to get referred to. And so we cannot limit health education and health promotion to health educators or public health nurses, or social workers, or nutritionists. This needs to be an integral part of family practice, through and through. And um, it's, it's, I see the benefit in um, my personal experience, and I want to share that with everyone that I come in contact with. Thank you, Richard. Stay right here. I, I appreciate what he shared there, his personal experience is basically, uh, that's one thing we have taken as well. We don't allow anybody to do these classes who's not philosophically on board. So for example, my, my, my uh, clinical nurse manager is a Catholic lady who's battling weight, and she said, oh, can, can I do it? And I said, you know, we really want people who are philosophically on board. She said, oh, that means no carnivores? And I said, <laughs> but she got the message. And basically, we're not being sectarian. We just basically, if you're not philosophically on board, you're not going to be able to tell people positively about the program. So Richard's experience there is quite uh, insightful, and the spiritual dimension as well is so important, integrating that, acknowledge the fact that only, that what we bring is the power of God to help these people change. I, we may have chance for one or two questions, I hope, so anybody have a question out there? Or anyone, go ahead, Donna. Oh yes, each of these patients are billed for a level three visit, and you look at the coding guidelines as well within it. Uh, even though they spend 30 minutes, we are doing the same thing that we would have gotten in an individual visit, we're doing it in a group setting. 
And so in our review of the coding guidelines and so forth, we feel that's well within it, and we've had it reviewed by a consultant. Go ahead. When you uh, listen to their heart and lungs, do you do it in front of everyone? No, we actually, our, we are fortunate our conference room is well built. We actually have a divider we just pull over, and then they're able to exit through that individually, and they go through a separate door. And it actually works best. That way they're not all at a checkout at the same time either. So we find that that has worked out well for us. If it doesn't, for you, you could take them an individual room, uh, but people understand, we make it clear to them that we're not going to make substantial change in their health at that visit. This is a, mostly an educational visit. So if they want to have change in their narcotics or something, that has to come for a separate one-to-one -one encounter. And as a matter of fact, I don't keep the chart even before me. I'm basically dealing with them as more of an educational encounter. But those are good questions. Any other? You, you do know that Yes, I'm aware there's a code, and we have some unique issues having to do with a rural health clinic. Some codes we're not able to use because we are on a cost-based reimbursement. So that may be one of the things that... You have to have a, a licensed nutritionist, and Medicare... Yeah, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, there's a 9941 or something code that's very educational. Uh, I looked into that as well, but uh, we were told that since we're a rural health clinic and we're on a cost base, that's a little unique. Any other question? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, yeah, yeah. They're going to add up how many level threes you have in an eight-hour period, and you can Well, like I said, we have, that's, that's exactly what we've gone through, a very deliberate process in, in doing the a review in terms of, of coming up with this program. We're very confident within the guidelines of what the coding book requires. And like I said, we send our coding billing manager every regular to updates on the, on the, on the billing and coding issues, so I understand it. That's where the texts come in. I was in prison and you visited me. Yes. <laughs> With that, we're going to end this session. Thank you all very much. And this media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.